So there should be a difference in your life if you've come to Christ. And we're going to see that today in the, in the salvation of Saul this morning. Now, uh, I, I will tell you, in Acts, Saul and Paul are used interchangeably. In fact, uh, just a couple of chapters from this, it says, Saul, who's also known as Paul, and so you may hear me slip and say, Saul or Paul, we're talking about the same guy. This is Saul of Tarsus that we're talking about. And, and remember where we saw him last, he was persecuting the church. So let's pick up in, in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 20. So stay with me. It is up here. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and placing his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard from many people about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues, he is the Son of God. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the context just a little bit before we dive in. Uh, the first part of this, the first uh, few verses tell us who Saul is or who Saul was. And that's breathing threats, murder against the disciples of the Lord. Saul was a Pharisee. Saul was trained by one of the greatest uh, uh, teachers in, in all of Judaism, Gamaliel. And so Saul was a very religious guy. And he was, he, he was trained in the, in the Mosaic law, the Levitical law, 
the Pharisaic law. He was, he was trained up. He was ready to go. So Saul is absolutely convinced that he's doing the work of God when he's persecuting the church. Now, I, I, wanna draw, I want you to connect the dots here. Saul's on his way to Damascus. The only reason there's Christians in Damascus is because Saul has persecuted the church in Jerusalem. That spread the Christians. They went to Samaria, they went to Syria. And so Saul's persecution of the Christians spread them, and then Saul goes after them. And that's where he has this encounter with Jesus. So Saul, Saul is absolutely convinced that he's doing the work of God. He thinks these, these new Christians, they're blasphemers. They're, they're, they're taking the, the, they believe in this Jesus and that's, that's not God. And so that they, they, he thinks he's doing the work of God. And we, we have to be careful when we think we're doing the work of God. We need to make sure that Scripture backs that. Because Scripture told him who the Messiah was. And Paul certainly knew Scripture. But he had the Messiah wrong. And so Saul, or Paul, is, is thinking, uh, he actually probably even thought that he was protecting God, right? He's protecting God from these blasphemers. But, but God shows him right here, I don't need your protection, I want your obedience. So we, we see the difference, and we see that, that Saul go, comes face to face with Jesus, now, Saul describes himself in Philippians 3. If there was a guy who had religion, it was Saul. He, he says this, Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. That's how Paul or Saul describes himself. So it's fascinating to think that, that this Saul, this very religious guy, is about to have a personal encounter with Jesus. And when he does, it changes everything. You know, we, uh, we talk as a Baptist church, we talk about a personal encounter with Christ. We talk about, uh, about accepting Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. And this is why, because we see it again and again and again in scripture we see it here Paul has or Saul has this personal encounter with Jesus Jesus actually calls his name twice <laughs> so so you have the he this personal encounter is what we see again and again and again remember uh, when when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead he's talking to Lazarus's sister and he says I am the resurrection and the life do you believe this? He makes a personal, he has a personal encounter with her. He requires a personal commitment from her. That's why we in Baptist churches talk about this personal Savior, because that's what we see in, you know, throughout Scripture. So, so here we have Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, just as a side note, I guess, Think about this. Saul was persecuting the Christians. Saul was persecuting the church. Jesus took it personally. Jesus says, I felt 
persecuted by what you did. Now, what, what does that mean for us? That means if you're under pressure because of your faith, trust that Jesus feels that pressure. Trust that Jesus feels that persecution because it shows here. And, and this encounter changes everything for, for Saul, doesn't it? He's a totally different guy after this encounter with Jesus. We, uh, we read on in his own writings, uh, Galatians 1, he spent three years in, in uh, Arabia and Damascus, another 14 years in Syria and Cilicia. He spent his life being trained in the Mosaic Law and Levitical Law and Pharisaic Law. And now he has to reorient all of that around Jesus. This is living from faith. Reorienting everything around Jesus. That's what Saul has to do. That's what he spends all this time doing. He reorients everything he has been taught. And, and, and to be a Pharisee, he was trained from a very young age. So he has spent his life trained as a Pharisee. Now he has to completely reorient all of that around Jesus. Around, around Jesus being, as he says himself, the Son of God. Now, it's, it's also, there, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hay made, a lot of ink spilled, as I like to say in books, about these, uh, these witnesses that were there that heard something but didn't see anything. And why are they even there then? They witnessed what happened to Saul. They're witnesses for Saul. So when Saul goes into Damascus, there's, there's, he's got guys with him that said, you, you won't believe what just happened to this guy. So that, that begs the question, is there somebody that sees such a difference in you that they would say, you won't believe what happened? Is there somebody that, that's a witness for you about how much you've changed? Because that's what these, I think that's the only purpose these guys serve. Is there a witness to what happened to Saul? So Saul is struck blind. Why? Why would that happen? Well, remember how I just read from Philippians how Saul uh, describes himself. Saul is pretty certain about his own righteousness, isn't he? He's pretty certain about, I'm good. I'm good with God because I do all this stuff. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I've, I'm trained in the law. I've, I've, done all this, I've done all this good for God, so clearly I'm good with God. Now what happens? Now he's totally dependent. Now he can't even walk without help. He's struck blind to be totally dependent. He is struck blind because he needs to understand it's not about him. It's about Christ. And so he's made completely dependent, something he has never been in his life. This encounter with Jesus makes him makes him finally utterly dependent. And then, and then he, uh, it says that he, uh, he didn't eat or drink for three days. That is a, a pretty common thing in Judaism for repentance. Fasting for three days and three nights is pretty common in Judaism for repentance. So what do we have? We have, in this encounter with Jesus, we have Saul going away dependent and repentant. Then he regains his sight. Then everything happens. 
Then he's completely changed when Ananias comes. Now, Ananias is another great, interesting guy. But you, can put, you can actually see yourself in these verses, can't you? I can. I can see myself because he's clearly a believer in Christ because he hears the voice of Jesus and says, well, here I am, Lord. So he's clearly a, a believer in Christ. But, but greater than that, Jesus gives him this mission, and he says, whoa, 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 wait, wait, I have some questions. First of all, are you sure you got the right guy? Because, because Saul kills people. I've heard about this guy. I've heard what this guy does. So, so I'm, not, I'm, not sure that you're, you, that, I'm not sure you thought this through, Jesus, you know? Because, because there's a problem here with what's going to happen. How do I ever trust Saul to go there? Well, Ananias goes because he doesn't trust Saul. He trusts Jesus. And so Ananias goes and he lays hands on, on Saul and, and Saul is completely changed. Now, I want you to think again, stay, stay with me on Ananias and think about what would you do here? I'd have questions like, like Ananias did. But if you have the faith and the courage to go do what God wants you to do, look what God does. It's pretty hard to overstate how important this salvation is to the known world at the time. Remember, this is a guy that chased people around that were part of churches, and he goes from chasing people and killing them to planting more churches than anybody has. Probably the greatest missionary of all time in Christianity, and Ananias gets to be a part of that. Here we are 2,000 years later talking about the faith and courage of Ananias. So when, when God gives us that impossible task, do it, because you just don't know how far-reaching your, your obedience goes. Think about all of the churches that wouldn't have been planted. Two-thirds of the New Testament wouldn't have been written. Ananias has to, has to go, and he has the faith, not in Saul, the faith in Christ to go, and so he goes. And he lays hands on, on Saul, and Saul is completely changed. He, he's, he's completely changed. And then it tells us that, he's, that he is baptized and that he eats and drinks. So that makes me think Saul is a Baptist. Be okay, you're with me then. Because if, if we're going to do anything, anything in ministry, we're going to eat, Right? That's who we are. We do something spiritual and eat. So, so Saul is baptized. He gets some food. And then he goes, he goes proclaiming. He goes proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. So this is Saul's transformation. Verse 20 tells us that, that Saul has been completely transformed. These disciples... These members of the way, as they called themselves, we saw that in the first verse or two, 
They called themselves the way. And these disciples of the way, the disciples of Jesus, that Saul was headed there to persecute and arrest and kill, he's now learning from after he's baptized, after a personal encounter with Jesus and baptism, and then, and, and then his, his meeting with Ananias, he's now meeting with these guys. They start him on the process of who this Jesus is. You know everything about the Messiah, Saul. This is why Jesus is that Messiah. And so he starts his process of completely reorienting himself around Christ right here. Right here with these disciples, the ones that he intended to go arrest and kill are the ones that are showing him who Jesus is. And so he goes from here, proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. This, this amazing salvation is what salvation looks like It's what we see over and over and over again in the New Testament. We see a transformed life. We see everything in life being reoriented around faith in Christ. Not adding Jesus to your week. Everything in your week being about Jesus. That's what we see. That's what we see here and that's what we see over and over and over again in the New Testament. This is a perfect example of living from faith, not living with faith. So I asked you the question last week, are you living from faith or are you living with faith? And I'm going I'm to ask that uncomfortable question again this morning. Are you living from faith? Is everything in your life centered, reoriented, around faith in Christ? Or are you, have you just added Jesus to your Sunday? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and consider that question. Are you living from faith? Because you can. You can begin reorienting your life around Jesus this morning. And start living an empowered life this morning. It, it takes a simple prayer, and you can just pray along with me. Say, God, I know I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I know the Bible calls it sin. But I'm placing my trust in Jesus. I trust that He came and finished. The, the, the work of the cross for me. And I trust that he will empower me from here on. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Will you this morning, whether you know Christ, you've known Christ for, for two minutes or 20 years, will you this morning reorient your life around your faith in Christ? Take a moment right now and do that.
Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for this story. We thank you that it shows us how salvation works. It shows us how a life lived from faith works. Help us to live this way. Help us to center our lives around our faith in you. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.